Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, aka your holistic guide to being a wealthy woman. I'm your host, Donnie, and on this show, I talk to the dopest women experts, entrepreneurs, influencers, corporate baddies, and occasional wildcard guests while they share their wisdom from the experiences that brought them to where they are today. So let's upgrade our lives together, but more importantly, let's get wealthy. On this episode, I have the privilege of speaking with one of everyone's favorite creatives, Donya Taylor. If you don't know her, she is a creative consultant and a thought leader and just a really dope person all around. She has worked with some of your favorite brands like Topicals and Instagram. But I think the common thread in everything that she does is she is most well known for her brain and her mind and her concepts and her ideas. And so in this interview, you get to hear her speak a lot about how she got to this point in her career and how she's found sustainability within her creativity. And she also gets really vulnerable about this current period that she's in with her career and she talks about how she's currently pivoting and repositioning in order to prepare herself for this next season that she's stepping into. And you're also going to get a sneak peek of what she's been working on and she's going to tell you about all the projects that she has coming out, which I'm super excited about and I think you guys will love it too. So instead of me rambling on about it, Let's just get into the interview. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, actually, because I've been following your work for a while. And I think that what you do, one, I don't think, well, I feel like some people might, like you might be a little underrated with some people. Okay. Um, Yes, because you, I mean, we all see you as like this cool girl that does like creative work and stuff like that. But I kind of put you up there with like the Alex Wolfs and like, you know, like the girls that are really going to be legendary. I yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love Alex Wolf. I love um, I started following her like around the same time I started my creative career, like in social media. I've always been like a creative person, but I didn't really like care if people knew that I was creative until I would say like four or five years ago like it was just it was just so a part of like my lifestyle that I didn't look at it as like oh like I could make you know like money off this it was just I was always so in the background with like graphic design and marketing I didn't really care if people knew that I was the brains behind it it wasn't until people started working with me like Donnie like what the like you're so smart like you should be doing this da, 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 da. so thank you so much for that thank you No, yeah, absolutely. Because I think I don't I think people underestimate or undervalue like that what that transition looks like. And you've done it so seamlessly because there are a lot of creative people that want to be like known for their creativity, you know, instead of just always being behind the scenes, they want to be in front, they want to be able to do installations with other brands and have their name on it. You know what I mean? And it's like, the fact that you've been able to position yourself as like a thought leader, but also, you know, do these creative projects and be recognized for them. And like people actually know that you did it and it's not just yeah. like somebody paying you a fee to do something and is their stuff, you know, yeah. that right there is commendable because Thank in the creative you. space, that's like really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I needed that. I needed that today. You <laughs> have no idea. Like I, I really needed that today. Thank you. No, you're so welcome. Because uh, I know people personally that have like studied you and and people like you and been like, OK, how how do you make that transition, you know, from being behind the scenes, being the graphic designer, being the, you know, the the creative and like 
stepping into the forefront and doing these partnerships. So how did you make that transition? How did you get in the forefront um, like that? Okay, so first it started with just me figuring out how I wanted to be perceived. Um, so I thought about, you know, I, people always hire me to do graphic designer stuff. And I was just like, you know what, I think I could be a lot bigger than this. And the transition was really hard because what you put out, that is how people perceive you. And I was like, okay, if I don't want people to perceive me as a graphic designer anymore. And I want people to position me as a thought leader. I need to put my thoughts out there. I need to put what it is that I think about the world and different creative ideas out there in a way that people start correlating me with that. And also I need to do it in a way where people respect me for that. I need to do it at a consistent pace. I need to do it at a certain level. Um, so I really just treated myself like a client. That's what I always do whenever I'm feeling stuck. I'm like, what would I tell myself to do? Because people pay me all the time for that type of advice. So I always try to tap into the consultant version of myself whenever I'm thinking about my next transition and what it is that I want to do. So that's kind of how I really just went from just being graphic designer to consultant thought leader, Donye. No, that's so good, though. That's such a good tip, because I think I say that all the time. Like, it's so much easier to think of ideas for other people than it is for yourself sometimes because yeah. you're in it, you know, and you're so like, looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Looking at it from like a bird's eye view and thinking of yourself as the client that probably takes that pressure off of like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. This is me. I, this is my baby. This is, you know, because it's so personal, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really it's, it's really personal, especially with your creative your work is a reflection of you. Like, we don't know how to create from a place of, like, not being true, you know? Mm -hmm. Or if we do do it, it's it kind of, like, backfires because it's like, wow, like, that's not who I really am. And you can kind of get caught in this whole thing of, like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know how to get inspired because you're not in tune with yourself. So it's really personal and really sensitive to pivot when you're creative because so much of what you do is connected to who you are as a person. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I first came across you, you, um, I saw you on Jess, you know, Jess from a regular exposure. I saw you on her page and, mm, um, that was a while yeah. ago. yes, it was a while ago. And, uh, y'all were having like really creative conversations. And I, at that time, um, I just noticed like after that you started, um, like, like that's when you really started repositioning yourself, but also like, I noticed that you were linked to people that were, you know, influential in the space, in the business world. Do you feel like being linked to, to certain people helped you with that transition? Like did that, did, did that help your credibility or were people just more so wanting to work with you after you, they heard your thoughts and they heard, like you said, like when you started sharing more? I think being linked kind of helped me like it helped me from the exposure perspective because think about it you just said you found me through mm -hmm. um jess and she's actually from where i'm from we're both from maryland she's in baltimore i'm from pg county um so i think that me being linked to people and i wouldn't even just call them people i would call them people in my community like they're my peers and my community members um i think being linked has definitely put me 
in front of a lot of people that I would not have gotten the opportunity to. And that's really what I want to do. I really want to take people that don't really look at creativity the way that I look at it and get them to be like, wow, like I never thought of it that way. So I love being linked to other people and working with other people because it's tied to my work. If I just wanted to do everything all on my own without my community, then how would I spread new ideas? How would new perspectives get adopted and things like that? So I definitely would say that it's helped my career a lot. And it's something that I use as kind of like, I don't want to say a strategy, but I always am thinking about who can, who can I collaborate with to get this message out to a bigger audience. Um, and I'm always looking at niche industries. Like I love Jessica's whole platform because it's so specific. You know, it's women in fashion that want to be entrepreneurs, that want to go outside the box when it comes to making clothes. Like, that is a niche, that is a community that I think would um, correlate to my messaging. So, I'm always like paying attention to stuff like that, too. Mm, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, too, like, like you said, um, those niche communities, like once you like tap into all these different niche communities and build your own community out of that, like out of what whoever you've extracted, I feel like because niche communities often are so, they're so like, you know. Niche knit, communities like are the knit. future. That's the future. Ooh. Niche communities are the future. If you think about it, even if you think about like how we shop now, Everything is like so specific. Everything is getting more and more and more specific because I think being a part of like, even if you think about when you go out, right, a lot of people don't like being in large crowds, people, unless it's at like a music festival, but then at the same time that even though it's a large crowd, it still is a niche community because those people are there for one specific thing. It's to hear an artist or it's to hear um, music. But if you just think about the way that you shop, or even like the influencers and the people that you follow, those things dictate the way that you shop. So I think that's what we're moving to just as a culture is just more niche communities. People want to feel seen and want to feel like, okay, this is for me. There's a lot of things out there, but people feel safer when they know that something is catered towards them. That's why people like VIP experiences, People pay more money for luxury experiences like that because we just like feeling seen as people. Um, yeah. No, yeah. And and to your point, that was like what I was going to emphasize is because they're so close knit, like there's like a different level of connection in those communities because, yeah. you know, like it's layered, the, the resonance. And so yeah. when they come to you, because they feel that connection, it's like, they're not just following you for the sake of following you. Like they right. really are connected to you or they feel connected and they, the momentum is greater in your community. I've noticed that like people yeah. are really engaged, really ride or die, like, yeah. you know, like really interested in what you're doing. So that's yeah. dope. That's a good strategy. Thank you. Yeah. My last newsletter, I was looking at the comments. Let me see if I can pull it up on my phone, but I was looking, well, not the last one, the one before last when I was talking about Frank Ocean at Coachella. This girl wrote like a whole essay paragraph thing under my newsletter. And I'm like, dang, like she's really invested in what it is that I'm saying because she wrote all of this. Well, I have, oh, wait, here it goes. I don't know if you can see. This is a comment. 
She starts it off. Oh, y'all are besties. I don't know this girl, but no, I, need I know. To but her. in her head, in her head, <laughs> y'all are besties. <laughs> That's this hard. I do need to know her. But she started off by saying, "Hey, I'm back. I didn't want to end the month without coming back and answering the questions that you put in your newsletter." And she goes through. She puts one, two, three. Yeah. This is a comment on my newsletter. And this is why I love my newsletter. But I get comments like this, like, all the time. Like, the people, like, really, to your point, saying that, like, they feel connected. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Okay. I want to go into, now I have questions about the newsletter. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about, because you mentioned Frank Ocean and all of that. So, you have been doing a really good job of like establishing yourself as you know like a thought leader for creatives and a creative philosopher Mm -hmm. i think that's what you call yourself a creative philosopher yes so which is so dope you know and i wanted to know like what are you doing to intentionally like you know like reposition yourself as that and what have you been doing to create a, a safe space for all those people to feel like they can comment and you know what I mean? And like, yeah, feel like yeah. they're a part of this that you're creating. So I think the first thing that I started doing, even before I started calling myself a creative philosopher, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I knew that my thoughts and my ideas had a lot of power. And I was just like, you know what? I feel like I'm doing my ideas and what I believe in a disservice if I just put it as like an Instagram caption, like no offense to social media, but I look at different philosophers like Socrates and people like that. And they published a lot of work. Like I'm not at the level where I can publish a book yet, but we have the internet. I can publish. Yes, you are girl. You could. Well, well, the type of book that I want to do, I want to do like a book book, like, one of those, you know what I mean? Um, and I also, okay. to, but it's okay. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's on the way. But um, I also yes. wanted to get to a place like I'm one of those people. I like practicing things a lot before I like go into the next level. So even with this newsletter, like I never consider myself a writer, but I technically am now because of my newsletter. So I knew that me creating a newsletter to get out my ideas, number one, was the best format for me to do it. I felt free. I felt safe. I didn't have to worry about an algorithm. Um, I didn't have to worry about like certain metrics that I feel like we're kind of trained to think in. we, We think that success is the amount of shares or the amount of likes or the amount of comments. But with my newsletter, I have a completely different metric system, um, that I measure my success So even if that girl, Crystal, was the only person that read that newsletter, the fact that she left that comment, that is success to me because she felt that inspired and that compelled after what after she read what I wrote to to do that. So that's what success looks like to me. And I feel like my newsletter has able has allowed me to kind of seek success in different ways. And I feel like when you are able to put information out in a way that is not super easy, people respect it more. Like anybody can, you know, like record a song or something on their iPhone and then just download a beat and sample it. But I think that there is a certain level of creative respect that's had when you can tell what went into a creative project. So I think that people look at my newsletter and are like, wow, like she really put 
a lot of thought into this. She really sat with this. She really, you know, like took time to do it. And I think my newsletter gives that versus, you know, just relying just on Instagram. It's looked at as really instantaneous, quick, easy to do. So that is why I picked the newsletter. And that was what, that was a part of my strategy. I was like, I want people to respect me and I want people to know that I'm different. And there's no way that I can do that if I'm doing what everybody else is doing. Um, and, you know, the pro of that too is I get to own my audience through my newsletter. You know, like if Instagram were to shut down, I have an email list of almost 9,000 people that I can communicate with at any time the way that I want to. I don't have to do a post. I don't have to go through these social media networks. I could just type an email. And I love that. And I'm using my newsletter as a way to, I'm, I'm trying to train my audience to get information from me in this way. Like it's never just going to be really, really, really simple. I want you to read. I want you to learn. I want you to feel educated. So that's why I, that's why I did that. And also how I did it as well. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was wondering because, you know, like you said, people respect that way more when you create something that took a bit more effort like that. Yeah. And it yeah. is something that really takes effort. I don't think people realize like what goes into maintaining something like that, but, and, and to keep doing it over and over and over yeah. consistently. But yeah. I think outside of that, it's really commendable that you're having that level of engagement when people don't like to read anymore, you know, because we're yeah. so used to taking in content via video, audio, all that. So like, have you, has that been, or was it a hard thing to get people to be interested in reading the whole thing? Or was that something yeah, where yeah, your audience is just I'm like, competing for all these TikTok girlies doing all these challenges, you know, wearing a bodycon dresses and it's just like, hi, these are my words. These are my thoughts. You know what I mean? But that is why I have, you know, just connected so much of what I think about what's happening in the world. You know, like the thing with Frank Ocean, I connected that. I mean, I, I had always felt that about, you know, like creativity versus capitalism, but connecting it to a pop culture moment that everybody's talking about. It's like, okay, now Donye's kind of meeting me halfway. I don't have to try too hard, but now like once it sticks, it sticks. Like once you, once a new perspective enters your mind, it's like you kind of can't reverse it. It's like you're always going to remember that. So that's kind of like how I trick people into like thinking what I think. I always try to connect it to something that is of value. So even with my ebook that I did um, for Valentine's Day, How to Break Up with Your Creative Anxiety, I took a holiday that everybody likes to talk about and I just put my own spin on it. I think a lot of creators have relationships with their anxiety, where it leads them to not want to express themselves. So I just made that into an ebook and I did a marketing rollout for it. I treated my ebook like it was an album. So again, like putting effort and intent into be in like behind what it is that I'm creating to get people to respect it. So even if you don't like it, even if, if it may not pertain to you, I want people to be like, damn, like that shit hard. Like I want to see what this is about. So. Yeah, I just had Nana from Every Stylish Girl on the show, and she said the exact same thing because we were talking about how her strategy for growing um, the cut, like their Instagram, because she used to be in charge of their Instagram, and she grew it from like half a million to a million in one year. And she was like, that was the, the key is to being timely. And and she was she was saying the exact same thing that you're saying. So clearly yeah. this is a thing like this is how the girls are winning, like 
you take whatever you do and connect it to something timely, whatever is timely and what your audience cares about and intertwine the two. Yeah. So, so that's your strategy. So you're taking concepts, philosophies, things that have already been ruminating in your mind and connecting it with stuff that is currently happening so that people are interested and they find it relatable. That's genius. That is yeah. So genius. And that's literally <laughs> all it is. Like, and I mean, it sounds so much easier said than done because with the yeah. internet is so much that's timely. Like I can, it's 30,000 topics that I can pick up, that I can pick to talk about today. If I wanted to, mm-hmm. I could talk about Megan and Stallion new boyfriend. I could talk about Beyonce in London. It's so much stuff to talk about. And I think that's where trusting yourself and knowing who you are and knowing your audience really comes into play because you have to talk about what other people want to learn about. And that's such a fine line. And I'm trying to get to a place where, you know, um, I don't have to lean on exterior stuff. I Like when I say I want to create my own world, I really want to create my own world where I don't have to worry about connecting um, to what's going on in like pop culture or whatever. And I think, so my brain detox, uh, I'm launching that next week, but I went on a brain mm-hmm. detox uh, in March for 21 days. I didn't smoke weed. I didn't drink any liquor. I wasn't going outside. I didn't even have coffee. Like I just, my brain just felt so overwhelmed and so cluttered. So that's going to be like what my next ebook is about, but I'm connecting that to so much. Like I have merch dropping for the first time. Like I have these tank tops that say big brain energy, have an Instagram filter that I'm launching with the ebook. So again, like just giving people things to interact with just besides the information, I think is really what my strategy is too. Yeah, I noticed that everything you do is like really interactive and I love that. I really love yeah. that. Cause I got ADHD, okay, so, brought- so if it can pass, Same. if it can pass the boredom <laughs> test with me, <laughs> then it could probably pass the boredom test for somebody else, yeah. For sure, for sure. No, yeah, I think that's such a good strategy. I've always loved interactive things. Like even when I plan events or anything, I'm always thinking like, how can this be interactive? How can this get them like engaging somehow, you know, but Okay, you mentioned the brain tox or brain detox. I remember when you first posted about that, like, I think it was like a month or two ago or something like that. Yeah, it was um, like 21st. That's when I started it. it was, and I didn't know that okay. was the first day of spring, too. Like, ironically. Oh. Yeah. Spring wow. cleaning. Like, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. The but. alignment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's very aligned. Um, so how did that affect you, like, afterwards? And, like, how did that help with your creativity? Because... I know, like, that was very intentional, everything that you did during that detox. Yeah. Um, So it affected my creativity so much. And which is so at first I did the brain detox for myself. But after the 21 days, I was just like, yo, this shit really, like, changed my life. Like, I have been working on this brand for so long. And I cannot think of the name that I wanted it to be. I came up with the name of this company while I was on my brain detox like it just like came to me and I was like oh my god but I think what happened for and I can only speak for myself but I think what happened was I got so confident in my like sober brain and my non-influenced brain like I really got in touch with 
who Donye is as a creative. And if you think about it, not a lot of people can do that. If you think about all the information that you take in on a daily basis, like how many times you're swiping on Instagram, how many posts you interact with, that's a lot of information that just kind of stays in your subconscious. Even when you go out and you hang with friends, the conversations that you have, how you see people, like, and how they're dressed, that may influence you. You may see a girl, oh, my God, her hair is so cute. And then next week you're like, Dag, why am I changing my hair to this hairstyle? Because subconsciously you saw somebody's hair that looked nice and you may want to do that. So I knew that that is how I operated. Like, I get inspired by, like, every single thing. And I was just like, what would it look like if I was just inspired by myself? And how can I get there? So that's why I was like, you know what? I don't want to drink. I don't want to smoke. I don't want to do anything. Um, I just kind of want to be in my bubble. And I noticed that it was easier for me to ideate. I was coming up with the craziest ideas so quick. And not only was I coming up with ideas really quick, I was able to put them on paper. I was able to translate it. So I feel like that is something that a lot of creatives need help with. We can come up with ideas all day, but when it comes to the strategy, the plan, the execute, how that's going to connect to something, how we want to make money off of it, that's where a lot of us get stuck. And I feel like my, that brain detox kind of just erased all of those like roadblocks. And it was only supposed to be for seven days, but I extended it for 21 days because it was just working so well. And it's actually something that I implement now within my lifestyle. Like I try to do like a brain talk, like at least like two to three days a week. So my guide that I'm releasing next week is going to teach creatives how to do that. And I also have some notion templates. I did so much. Like I was like reading every day. I went to the bookstore. I got books on what it is that I was trying to do. I was vlogging every day but not the vlogging that you see on TikTok it was just like this I was talking to myself like trying to dump what was in my brain and then I was re-watching it back to see what patterns and like things that I was doing while I was thinking so that I could figure out how to just fine-tune it a little bit more but that's what the brain detox is and it helped my creativity so much everybody should do it no, I think that's genius, honestly, because I always say this. Um, I'm a person that isolates a lot, like, uh, for so many different reasons. But specifically when it comes to work, I've noticed that if I isolate around work-related things and I cut off all influences, that is when I've always been my best. Like, the best things happen when I get yeah. in that stage. Because not only am I not influenced by other things, but I'm not – consumed with how I'm being perceived I'm just yes. doing it yes yeah yes and that is a game changer right there yeah so yeah I'm excited for this I want to get your book when you when you put it out so that's exciting <laughs> I will definitely send you a copy I need to I'm, that's that's the next my next book the next thing I'm it's going to be a physical copy like that's probably going to yes. be like around like December but I'm definitely going to do something a little bit more hard copy ish so people can't really keep it forever. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready for the Donye coffee table book. Like, just let us know when you're ready. Yes. So. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is dope. So, okay. So you have a creative, um, sorry, I can't even talk, a creative philosophy framework. So can you break that down for us? Like, what is that? Okay, so creative philosophy is basically the art of dissecting creativity. 
Um, and it's based on the regular idea of philosophy, which is basically like raising questions, really trying to figure out what makes things what it is that they are. But I realized when I was doing, so I've always loved philosophy and psychology at the same time. Like those are the only two classes in college that I got an A in. Um, and philosophy really just at its core is just about like just raising questions. Like why is that the way that it is? And it's also incorporating so many different other elements. It incorporates psychology, sociology, anthropology, just really like the study of people and why they think the way that they think. Um, And creative philosophy, I think, is the most accurate way that I can describe what it is that I do and who I am. I love analyzing and dissecting things from a creative and social level. So that is basically like my framework. It's looking at how creatives behave, what influences the way that creatives behave, how I can help them, and also predicting the future of what creativity looks like for creatives just in general. So that's kind of just like the ecosystem that I'm building with my whole creative philosophy pivot. And I'm really excited. It's a lot of people that have been hitting me up just being like, oh my gosh, Donnie, like, I'm so glad that you called yourself this. I feel like this is what I've been like missing on the internet. I'm so excited for your content. Um, people have been saying that the internet has been a little stale to them and they haven't really had anything to connect with and they're really excited for this. So I'm excited as well. Um, I love doing things that, you know, not a lot of people are doing. So yeah, I hope, I think that answers your question. Yeah. 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 Are those the main pillars that you just like the ones that you listed at the end? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That answers the question. (laughs) But yeah, I agree. I think that the internet specifically Instagram, we all know this, it's just felt real stale lately. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I, I get it. Like, I think it's a combination of COVID. It's a combination of, you know, us, um, just being overstimulated, like all these different factors that are feeding into that. But what do you think will get us over that hump? Like what can get us to the next stage? I think like creatively or just, just with interacting with the internet, what'll get us to that next stage where we feel inspired again and enjoy being on these platforms? I think capitalism right now is ruling creativity. People are looking at creativity as a way to get paid and While we need to get paid in order to live our lives, I don't think that should be the ruling factor. I think passion and happiness should be what rules creativity. And I don't think that we will will be able to get to that point until the ratio kind of balances out. Right now, capitalism, overconsumption, that is what is ruling creativity. Even with um, when Instagram Reels came out, they were using money to get people to make more Reels. They were saying, you record reels, if you get to a million plays, we'll give you $700. What does that do psychologically? It makes me feel like, okay, the more reels that I create, the more money I can make. Instead of thinking, okay, if happiness is the end goal or if me expressing myself makes me happy and I can find a way to do that and reels is the tool to do that, then I'll make more reels. But that wasn't the marketed value proposition. It was money. So I think we need to get to a place where technology, creativity is synonymous with happiness and passion and looked at as a tool to make you happier instead of 
as just a tool to make money, then I think we can get there. So I think I look at money as more so as a byproduct of creativity, um, but I think happiness should really be the, the main thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, I think that point is just so interesting because um, I remember the CEO of Instagram, you know, on his little, whatever that room is called, you know, his little channel where he like sends out messages or whatever. Oh, I remember yeah. Actually, yeah, I him, I'll send you a photo if you want to add it for like the edit, but um, yes, the one that does like, hey, Instagram, today we have a new update. Yes. Yes, I have a video of me mocking him doing that with his glasses on. His name is Adam, Adam <laughs> Mosseri. But yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I remember Adam put in like his little, I don't know, his little channel. He was like saying something about how um, a lot of us are complaining about the algorithm and the reels and all this stuff. And he was like, well, the reason we continue um, pushing reels in the algorithm is because we looked at the stats and we looked at the data and you guys engage with them the most. Like when we share, show all different types of posts, those are the ones y'all engage with the most. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think it goes back to the point that you just said. It's like, well, if that's what you were paying us to put out and that's what y'all were pushing and we knew that's how we were going to get shown or we knew that's how we were going to make money, then of course we naturally are going to adjust. And you know what I mean? Like, At the end of the day, it still goes back to y'all. Like, exactly. Know. It's like, it's like if y'all want something different, y'all have to behave different. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. So, okay. So I know that like with creatives, a lot of times they will have such good ideas and we'll like, and, I, and I'm sorry, I went from first person to third person and whatever, That's but fine. I'll group myself in with them. So as a creative, a lot of times we'll feel like, you know, we, we want to be able to do all these great things. We have really good ideas and we have all of these ideas on how we're going to execute it, but something will come up and something will block us from, you know, like something will come up and we'll feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that or right. somebody right. else do it. Yeah. We'll see somebody else do it. And we're like, oh, dang, now I can't do it or whatever. Um, <laughs> and we, we create all these barriers for ourselves. Yeah. So like, what do you notice? Um, like, what what are you noticing that are like are, are the main things that are hindering creatives from realizing their greatness and getting to their goals and getting to their destiny? Because I feel like a lot of it is just stuff that we're creating ourselves. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, a hundred percent. So my how to break up with your creative anxiety ebook kind of talks about this a little bit. So one of the things that I see a lot of creatives do, and you kind of mentioned it too, is just comparing themselves to other people. So there's a lot of people, like I could, if, if, if I looked at it from that perspective, I wouldn't be doing a lot of stuff that I'm doing now because I've seen a lot of people over the past couple of months try to adopt what it is that I have done to their social strategy. And they're doing now the same things that I've been doing. But I think if you're a creative and, you know, innovation is something that you take pride in, that just kind of comes with the territory. Like there's no way you can be inspiring if you're not inspiring other people. And I remember it was this Virgil interview that he did where he was talking about um, why he created Off-White and people were talking about the price point, like, oh, it's so expensive. He was like, yeah, like I'm happy it's expensive because I want to inspire 
other people to create competitors of off-white that maybe is cheaper. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, if you think you can do what I do and do it better and cheaper, then do it. But if he would have never done it, that conversation wouldn't have even be a thing. So, um, and I think his answer to that is just, it just speaks to not only how he sees himself or how he saw himself as a creative. That's crazy. I say see, because I still think that like, Virgil is still alive with his creativity, yeah. even though his he's not here physically. But like a lot of his theories and things that he thought of are still alive. But if he thought that way, if he was comparing himself, then he probably would have answered that question completely different. So I think creators really need to stop thinking about what other people are doing um, and think about what it is that they want their art to do. Like, do you want your art to inspire? Do you want your art to make people feel something? Do you want to create a bigger connection with your art? I think focusing on that is the best way to just keep going and keep the momentum going, but worrying about what other people are going to do, you're going to be stuck forever because it's always other people. You're always going to see somebody else. Like, is there creatives out there that are doing what I'm doing and probably a little bit better? Yeah, but I don't know who they are because I'm not focused on them. I'm focused on me, you know? So, um, that's something that I, it's really hard to do though. You have to be really confident with yourself and who you are, your creative mission in order to keep that focus. But I would say that's the number one thing creators don't do. Creatives do, they compare themselves. Oh, I don't want to do this because somebody else is doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think that that's the number one thing I've heard as well. And I used to even do it. I feel like all of us have done it at one point. And I think it's just more so coming from, a it's coming from two places I feel like insecurity but also selfishness because Mm -hmm. a lot of us feel like our ideas we we hold them as our own right Mm -hmm. we feel like they belong to us that's our property and so if someone goes and takes it we're like we put all this work and energy and thought and all the things into it why would you go and take it like that you know yeah it's unfair and I think that's the it's the opposite like (laughs) with our creativity with our ideas they're meant to make impact they're meant to progress you know, things forward in the world. And that's the beauty of being a creative. It's like you're giving back and it's supposed to multiply. It's supposed to flourish and people are supposed to take it and double it and do all these different things with it. You know, like it's like you're passing the baton. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a more abundant way to look at it, you know, rather than thinking of it as like, you just want to, you know, carry all these ideas and like hold on to them. That's, oh oh my God, you're, ah, you're alluding to so much in my brain detox. So one of the, um, I'm, I'm doing, well, how do I say it? It's something, it's like a name that I came up with. So like just holding on to ideas, information, whatever. I call it brain hoarding. Like literally how people Mm. are hoarders. They hoard clothes, they hoard items, they hoard all this stuff in the physical space. I believe people hoard ideas and information and that's why it's so hard to execute because their brains are clogged with so much information and they have so many tabs open like in your browser how you say you need to close all your tabs so that this thing can run faster people need to close tabs in their mind as well it's so many things that's open that are not serving any purpose but if you really just zoom out and think about okay like what do i need to focus on let me focus on that and then the other stuff I'll just 
just get rid of, but you don't need to hold on to every single thing. Some things are not for you. Some things are like, like you said, for other people, for other people to get inspired. So I'm going to touch on that too later this week when I introduce brain hoarding. I even go into like the different types of brain hoarders. So it's, I'm actually really excited for like this whole rollout. I never did anything like it. I'm a little scared, but fuck it. We ball. (laughs) That's the vibe. That's the vibe. No, that is so good. Like, oh, as you were saying that, I was getting chills because it's so true. Like, it's so accurate. And I think, like, I and I've even had to tell friends this at times because, like you said, it's like you have all these ideas going in your head and it's hard to know which one to execute, what to do with what. And it's like sometimes maybe you just need to sell the idea or give it to somebody else and you. It's, everything don't have to be something you do. Like, how are you going to juggle all these things anyway? And as a creative, you are going to have several good ideas every year. Like, at least several. Like, if not more. If, if not you are more. in the flow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, that just is insane to sit here yeah. and hold all of it in. It don't make no sense. So, exactly. give it away. Give it to somebody who can do something with it. And maybe you can have a part of it or whatever. But it's like... It's going to be okay if all of it is not produced through you or put out through you or even put out, period. Maybe it was just a cute idea for the moment, but it don't make sense no more. And we just need to put it to the side. But, like, free yourself. Goodness, that makes sense. I remix a lot of my ideas, too. Like, something from old, like, two years ago, I will remix for now. Like, even, like, a tweet that I did, this was three or four years ago. I was working with a client. And she stole my idea, didn't give me credit for it. But actually, she wasn't even my client. She reached out to me to be a client of mine. She ended up saying, no, whatever happened. But she took one of the ideas that I presented to her. I was so pissed off. And I remember, like, I'm not the type to bash people publicly on the Internet. I just feel like it's just not good digital karmic energy. Like, I believe in karmic energy in every vertical. So I never want to be publicly bashed on the Internet if I can help it. So I don't want to publicly bash anybody. So I tweeted out of frustration. I was like, you know what? The reason why I get so upset when people take stuff is because I look at my ideas as currency, like actual money. I look at it as valuable because I'm a creative. Like my ideas Mm -hmm. is that is how I make money. And um, that was a tweet that I did about three, four years ago. Why is my first product for my brand that I'm launching in a few months based off of that tweet? Like I literally turned that tweet into a product, literally. So sometimes like, Whenever I'm feeling stuck, I love going back at maybe what I did in the in the past and see how I can remix it um, instead of going to other people. I always try to find inspiration within myself. But to say all that to say, sometimes you may have ideas that just because you know you didn't execute on them when you first had them doesn't mean that you can't take those ideas remix them and make something new out of it because that's what creativity is in general it's just remixing the old with the new and things like that no I love that I love that idea now I want to go through my archives and I do that I'll say I do that with visuals like if I see an old visual like even the the cover like the old cover that I have for this podcast um it was something that I remixed that I had done like the year before like a visual 
And I don't know why I don't do that with other things, but I definitely do it with my visuals. So yeah, now I'm gonna go through my archives. Yeah, and see you would be surprised. Sitting on. And also too, it's nothing like seeing how long you've been you. I love mm. seeing how long I've been Donye. Like I love going back. Or like when Instagram reminds me, this is what you posted six years ago. And I'm talking about a freaking billboard that I saw driving down the street. It's like, damn, like I've been me. Like who this person is right now, I've been this person. This is just an evolved version. And that just inspired you to keep being you and to keep going. So I always tell people to look back at what you've made in the past just to, you know, it gives you like a, a different level of confidence when you can look back and be like, damn, like, I've been hard. Like I've been, I've been doing this. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's dope. Ooh. Okay. Everything you're saying is like a sound bite. I love it. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So, um, do you still do like, like consulting, like for, um, creative philosophy, you know, like do you so, do it for that or just like strategy? So consulting and creative philosophy is like two different things. So Donye, okay. the consultant, that is me like corporate side kind of. Um, so brands okay. hire me to come up with different strategies to help them build revenue. So I ideate a lot of marketing campaigns. Um, I do mm, a lot of ideation, okay. brand naming as well versus, so that's for like my clients and I have really big mm -hmm. clients like Amazon TV, um, Topical is one of my clients. I've done some stuff with Nike, but creative philosophy is more so for my community, my followers, and more so for the world with consulting. I can really only help the clients and the people that can afford to work with me at that level. But I realized last year that it was kind of like a gap, like, I couldn't really market my consulting services to my followers because it, it, I'm just being realistic. Like you don't have Amazon TV money. And I didn't like that. I was like creating this gap. So I was like, how can I serve my audience in a way that is valuable to them, but also valuable to me as well. And that is how I came up with the whole strategy and the framework for creative philosophy and my newsletter and my digital products that I'm putting out. Okay, that makes sense. Because I was as you were talking through like some of your concepts and stuff, I was like, this sounds like stuff that could like, you know, of course, it's more so ideas and, and concepts, but it could definitely put, be put into like brand identity. And you know what I mean? And just like, it, those those same concepts could be applied to that. So I didn't know if you like, you know, do it under the same lens yeah. or not. I was just trying to see like how far you go into, you know, like if this is something you do more so like on the public front, you know, and you do it like through speaking engagements and through your audience, or if you are also talking about these concepts when you are, you know, dealing with clients and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but okay, wait, so you just sped past that. And I did want to touch on this. So you'd be working with topicals and Nike and all these things. How does that happen? Like, how did you get into those spaces? Was that like a well, I knew somebody that knew somebody that connected me or was it like an intentional thing of like getting into those rooms? So I kind of had, I don't want to say like a cheat code, but I definitely think me working in the creative corporate space when from an early age, my first marketing job was when I was in college. I was a junior okay. in college and I was a marketing manager for this company um, called Shoe City, which is very similar to like a downtown locker room 
or a JD Sports at the time. So there I built a lot of relationships, a lot of connections. Um, I worked on so many different accounts like Adidas, Nike, Puma, all of those. I worked in so many different verticals. I helped plan events. Um, I helped do influencer marketing. So I was hiring talent, like coming up with concepts for photo shoots. So when you work in the creative space, you build your network really, really, really quickly because there's so many people that you need in order to do a bunch of different things. So um, I'm still eating off of relationships that I made over 10 years ago. And I think that's like the easiest way to like put it. Like it's gotten to a point where, and, and now I see why so many creatives and so many people that do great work don't even promote it because it's like you do something one, you do something good one time, you do it well. That's why it's just so good to just do everything at the best possible ability that you can do it at all times, just so that you can leave that lasting impression. But when people work with me, they people always say that I treat their idea or I treat their brand, whatever it is that I'm getting hired to consult on, like it's my own because that's how I dive into work. And I think um, that's what's really rare nowadays, going back to what I said earlier about how capitalism is just ruling creativity. I think so many people, when they work with creatives who are genuinely passionate and happy about what it is they're doing, they can feel it and that feels good. It's a certain level of trust that you have when you feel like somebody cares about what it is that you're working with. And you know, once you do something good one time, people want to say, oh, who did that? Or like, who did you hire to do that? Oh, this girl named Donye, da, da, da. and then boom, and then it just grows and grows and grows. So topicals happen because, uh, so at the time when I met Alameda, the founder of topicals, I was splitting from my creative agency. I had a whole relationship with my, um, with the person I was in business with. We were in a relationship, the relationship was private, nobody knew, but we had a creative agency. And I remember she had hit me up for something that we had did. And I was like, hey, this isn't really a good time because I'm working on like starting like my own thing, yada, yada, yada. So in the middle of that transition, we just you know started hanging out um, and we just became really, really, really good friends. And that is how that started. And then from there, like Alameda, she knows so many people. So because Topicals has grown to be such a big brand, people are asking Alameda, oh, who came up with this? Who helped you do this? She's like, oh. So it's just, it, it, it just catapults. So um, I have a very blessed and unique uh, situation. Like I feel like my life is like Slumdog Millionaire. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like my creative career is very similar to that of the guy in Slumdog Millionaire. It's like every life situation that I've had has led me to either a client or something that has been value of value to me. So, but I would say for anybody that's looking to get corporate clients, just go to the places where you want to be seen at and do the work that you want to get hired for. Like if you or want to do stage design for like a really big show or a really big concert, don't wait for somebody to hire you. Like just do the concept. Like if I were to get hired by Beyonce for the Renaissance World Tour, this is what the stage design would look like. 
you know, like just taking your ideas and like not waiting for somebody to see the vision in you. You have to see the vision in yourself and just execute. Like that's what that's who people hire executors. Thinkers, yes, but you got to be a thinker and an executor. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just like any other job where it's like you got to show a portfolio or whatever. People need to see examples of your work. They need to see what you're capable of. You can't just look cool and have some cute ideas. Like, this really needs to make sense. The math is yeah. math. And I, I even see you doing that still. Like, even though you don't really need to, you do put out, you know, content where you're yeah. talking about, okay, these are my ideas for this brand or these are my ideas for that if I was going to you know, do this or whatever. And it really helps us see what you're capable of. And it helps, yeah. it reminds us of why we love what you do and why yeah. you are the genius that you are, because you don't, you don't just talk about it. Like you really show us. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Thank you. I have stopped doing that for a minute. Um, only because, you know, like, again, like with the pivot, going back to the graphic designer thing, I didn't want people to keep looking at me as a graphic designer. So I had to stop putting it out there, even though, you know, I was still skilled at it. So even with like consulting and stuff, I had to stop putting out my, you know, ideas for brands and stuff because I was venturing into a new level of my life where I wanted people to look at me for my thought leadership around creative philosophy. So I'm like, I have to put that out. I can't, I like, I, I get how marketing works, you know? So, but I mean, I, I still do it. It's still, it's still up in here. It just ain't on the internet. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of career pivots, like, how do you navigate those? And what does that even mean, you know, to make a career pivot? Um, I don't mean to get like real spiritual, but I just be listening to God. Like, I feel like, well, even with this latest pivot that is, that is coming where, you know, I'm now going to be making products and things like that. Um, when I was in Africa in December, I felt like God was like talking to me and he basically, well, this is how I interpreted it. I felt like God was getting to a point where he was like, you know, I gave you all of these gifts, all of these talents, and you're not really turning up how you need to turn up. Like you being like a little too humble with the gifts that I gave you. And that's cool. But if you don't turn up, I'm going to give these gifts to somebody else. So I'm going to give you till next year. Like, I really looked at 2023, and I, I still look at it as, like, my now or never year. Like, this is the year I got to get it now or it's never going to happen. Like, that's how, I, that's how I felt like God was talking to me. And I was like, dag, like, what can I do? So I, I look at pivots as just me becoming and me doing what God has really ordained for me to do at the highest level. That's how I look at a pivot. It's like... Am I operating in a space that is correlated to how God sees me or what God wants for me? And I felt like, you know, like with the consulting stuff, like, yeah, I was like really good at it, but I wasn't impacting as many people as I knew that I could. And I feel like creative philosophy was the way for me to do that. And I feel like that is what God told me to do. Like, you need to be out here spreading, you know, the gospel of creativity, the same way how I have pastors and other people spreading the gospel of like my religion. It's like, you need to spread 
your religion of creativity with other people. You need to inspire people. And I feel like the best way for me to do that was to create a philosophy. So that's how I navigate my pivots. It's scary as I don't know what because it's new. Like even right now, like every day I'm just like scared. I'm just like, is this going to work? But yeah. at the end of the day, it ain't got no choice but to work because what? Like that's how I look at stuff. It ain't got no choice but to work. But that's how I navigate pivots. I just try to go wherever I think I can help the most people and do the most good. That's, that is so good. No, I and I feel the exact same way. And I feel like sometimes when I share that with people, people be looking at me crazy because I always, I'm, I'm just doing whatever the Lord tells me to do. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it frustrates people sometimes because they're like, but you were so good at this. Why couldn't you just keep doing this? Or you were so, that was going so good. And it's like, that's great. I'm glad it was going wonderful. That It was supposed to. But now yeah. in this season, this yeah. is where God is taking me and this is where he's leading me and this is the vision that he's shown me. And I have to trust that and follow that. And even yeah, when you said always about, go backwards too. Thank you. you could, thank you. You could go back. Done is right there. Anything I've right done, there. I could go back to that at any moment. But the future is is you gotta get it when it's hot. You gotta get it when yes. it's hot. Yeah. So yes, you I cannot sit on things. And I'm so glad you said that because it's so true. God does do that because this is the thing, the gifts and the talents that he gives us, the visions that he gives us, anything that we're supposed to put out into the world is not for us. Mm -hmm. We like to get all the praise from it. We like to get all the recognition, but it's really not for us and about us. It is to serve other people. And yep. so if we're going to sit on it, if we're not going to do it, he needs it out still so that it can Hello? make the impact that it was supposed to make. So he going to give it to somebody else. <laughs> like I forgot who said this. I seen it on Twitter. But it was like the reason why, like, you got to act on your ideas, the ones that you really feel, because the ideas are kind of like spirits. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't harness that energy, that spirit can float the same way how that idea came to you, that idea can come and go to somebody else. And if it go to yes. somebody that got a little bit more pep in their step, you're going to be out of luck. That's yeah. like when I see stuff that I didn't execute on, I don't even be mad. Cause I'm like, you know what? I had the time, I didn't grasp it, but it's okay. Cause next time, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. how I look at stuff. I don't even get mad when I see people like, damn, I should have did that. I was like, I should have, but well, I didn't, so. I should have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I heard that too. Like thoughts, I heard that that thoughts are like um, floating in the spirit realm or something like that. Mm -hmm. I heard that as well. So yeah, it's like, they don't belong to you. They're they're here, and whoever gonna grab it and do something with it, that's just what that's what's gonna happen. Exactly. But even Michael Jackson, I heard him say that one time in an interview. He said that he was like, "I already know that if I don't act on my idea, God's gonna give it to Prince." Because he said he had seen that so many times where he had sat on an idea and Prince would come out with it. Ah, they're they're yeah. ultimate rival. Right. <laughs> Prince and, and Michael Jackson wasn't rivals. Think about the music that we could have gotten. Crazy. Ah! Crazy. Yeah. But no, that's a good point. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's so dope, though. I think um, that's going to unlock something for somebody. So I'm glad you shared that, though. Thank you. So, yes, absolutely. Okay, so going into this next season, because you said this is like your, you, you got to get it here, you know, like, this is it, right? So, <laughs> yeah. 
going into this next season, like, what are you really wanting this era to be for you? Like, what what Danye era are you walking into? I'm in my, well, right now I'm in my creative philosopher era, but in a few months, I'm going to be in my product era, my creative product era. Um, I really got to a point where I was like, Dag, I can only scale myself, but so much. But if I take my ideas and who I am as a person and put it into a product, then I can scale myself. I can be at a thousand places at one time. So, and that's really why I did the brain detox too. Cause I'm like, yo, like I've been working, like all I know is working to bring somebody else's idea to life. Like if you think about it, being a graphic designer, being a consultant, being a marketer, all of those things, all of those services, those jobs are contingent upon what somebody else needs or bringing somebody else's vision to life. I've never been in a position where I was bringing my own vision to life at this scale. And I knew that I needed to step into a different version of myself in order to really execute at the level that I wanted to execute. And that's really why I did the brain detox. I'm like, I need to evolve into a different version of myself. So um, I think this era, I'm just so excited for it because it's so genius like I know when I drop it everybody's gonna be like oh my god this makes so much sense why didn't I think of this this is like I know it's just gonna be everything that I've ever done led like leading up to this moment and I'm just so freaking excited I think it's gonna put me in a whole different like ballpark of stuff like I'm basically creating like my own kiss like how Ronnie Feig has kids. Ooh, yes. That's the that's the that best way that I could give you something without giving it all. But it's like it's my kith, it's my off white. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's my it's 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 who I am as a person, as a creative and as a woman, but in product form. And it's gonna be And that's what I see you creative. as. I see you as that crossover of like Alex Wolf, but also like Kith Off White, like all that. I see that for sure. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. yeah. So it took a long time to get there. I'm like, what's next? What's next? I can't keep doing consulting. I can't keep being on these daggone Zoom calls every single day. I gotta be out in the field. I gotta create. I gotta. I gotta give people ways to connect with me outside of the internet. People need to connect with me in real life. And then it was like, yeah, light bulb. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think even though like, like I, I totally see that, like this is the season for you to step out and do those things. But I do think everything you've done up until this point and the journey that you've been on, like it just makes sense. Like the order that you've done things in and the time, you know, the time period and all of that, like it's all led to this moment. This point, you know? yeah. 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 And so that's beautiful. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I'm excited excited too, girl. It's been hard. (laughs) Woo. I'm not used to putting money in the summer. I ain't seeing money come out of it for at least like a year. I've been working on this since December. And it's not launching. Like this is the longest I've ever worked on something. (laughs) Ever. Like manufacturing, logo design, Mm -hmm. like just literally 
building something from freaking scratch. Like what I'm making has never been done before. Um, and I know it hasn't because it's because how long it's taken and how hard it is. Everybody's like, we can't do that. I'm like, why not? So, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's welcome it's to the, the product development club. <laughs> Woo! It's Y'all not fun. It's not for the week. Soldiers. Cause Lord, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. But it is not for the week. We're going to get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. When she, you gonna, you almost to the finish line. You got this. Yes, yes. Yes. So, okay. So, before we wrap things up, I want to talk about, because you, you mentioned in your newsletter, like, you talked about your creative goals for 2023, mm-hmm. and which we've been touching on them, right? We've been touching on them. Um, so, where do you stand on the idea of, like, not sharing things before they've happened and and refraining from sharing, you know, out of, you know, out of fear of like the negative negativity that people give or like, you know, like how people just like to throw their negative thoughts on things. Yeah. Um, I mean, so two things, number one, I'm like, okay, so on my goal list for last year, I had put that I wanted to launch a product girl, me work on that one goal, I girl boss a little bit too hard. And that is what prompted me to create this whole company. So I'm very, I'm very lenient with myself and I go wherever my energy flows. So like, it's a lot of stuff on my goal list that I'm not going to accomplish this year. And that's okay. There's a lot of stuff that I am going to accomplish this year that wasn't on my goal list. So I'm okay with that as long as I'm happy. Um, And I don't really believe in not sharing things because you're afraid of negative feedback. I just don't share things because I'm just not ready to. Like, it has nothing to do with negative feedback or anything because I think if you – like, I I truly don't believe that I can ever be embarrassed unless it was something that – I look back on and I'm like, Dag, I shouldn't have done that. But if I do something with pure intent and that's what my that's where my heart is at, then I don't think there's any way that I can be embarrassed. So I mean like this season has been a little just different for me because the I'm very transparent on the internet, but the two things that have been consuming the most of my time, I'm not ready to share. Um, I recently started like dating and we recently got into, um, we recently got like really serious. So that's been like the last six okay. months of my life. Yeah. Like where I'm just, but I, I love that whole dynamic. Um, but I'm not ready to share that either. And then also the last six months I've been working on, um, launching this company which I'm not ready to share that either it's just it's just so something is just so good you just want to wait until it's done it's like now I see why like when you know back in back in the day like when it was a cookout my aunt she would be like don't touch that just wait till wait till all the food is ready I know you can eat that Mm. one piece of chicken right there but wait until the macaroni and cheese, the cornbread, everything else is done. That's what I want for myself. I wait. I like when people can digest the entire meal instead of just one thing. So yes. that's how I kind of like look at like not sharing stuff, but it's not from a place of 
I'm embarrassed or I'm scared of negativity. It's just I'm the chef and I want y'all to eat it how I prepare it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Even in that Michelin star restaurants, like they're really, really, really nice restaurants. Um, they don't allow you to alter the meal or the menu. The chef yes. literally has it prepared a certain way because that chef is an expert. It's like, I know yes. you may want extra onions, but if I put extra onions on it, then it ain't going to taste the same. So right. let me do me how I do me. Trust me. <laughs> It's going to pay off. So that's how I'm looking at myself. I'm like a Michelin star chef right now, and I'm cooking up a lot of shit. And okay. I don't want anybody to alter it. I just want y'all to just eat it how I want y'all to eat it. That's it. <laughs> no, I feel you. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Okay. So we're like halfway through the year. Do you feel like you've like made some good progress on that goal list? Or Yeah, I made a lot of good know. progress. Like... I think um, even so I just got off a call with create and cultivate that was Mm -hmm. on one of my um, goals for this year. I wanted to speak at create and cultivate only because Mm -hmm. that was uh, activation. I looked at when I lived home in Maryland, like I grew up in Maryland, this LA life was something that I never experienced until like two or three years ago. So when I was back home in Maryland, I would look at create and cultivate and be like, Oh my gosh, like I would love to attend then I was like, actually, no, I would love to speak. Like, fuck, attendant, I could speak. So nice, they have nice. me as a speaker this year. So it's a bunch of things like that that are, um, you know, on my goal list that I am in the progress, I'm in progress of doing. And I think once I launch um, my new company, I think a lot of the goals are not even going to be relevant anymore because where I was at when I made that goal list, I'm I'm a completely different person. Like I was just thinking about consulting and marketing. Like I'm not even there anymore. Like I'm past that. So it's kind of like a like half and half. Like I like I like where I'm going with my goals, but also it's given I need to make a new goal list for this new version because she got other stuff that she want to do. Yeah. Danya has reinvented herself. That's what she wants y'all to know. Um, so get with the project. Why not? So- <laughs> why not why not yeah no isn't that crazy how a few months can make such a big change like girl you're just not even the same like different mentally just somewhere else yeah yeah crazy crazy okay so this is a question i ask everybody that comes on the show so i have to ask you of course what does it mean to you to be a wealthy woman to be a wealthy woman Mm. you know wealth is I just tweeted this like two weeks ago too, but I love music. I love listening to music. And ASAP Rocky has this line in the song called Trilla, where he's saying, if wealth is in the mind and not the pocket, if that's the case, then I've been paid. And I think that that is what being that's a That's a bar. Hold up. Let me, yeah, that's I can go look at the lyrics. Hold on, I'm about to play it on this song right now. Hold on. Oh, here it goes, right here. Right here. Yeah, they saying that, like, if wealth is in your mind, if wealth is in your mind, then I've been paid because I always had a wealthy mindset. And I think even when people think about wealth, you can't get to the, like, wealth can't manifest physically in your life until it's 
mentally there. Yep. You cannot yep. develop real life wealth if you don't have a wealthy mindset. And I think being a wealthy woman to me means having a wealth mindset, like looking at things from an abundant perspective in all verticals of your life, um, knowing what it is that you want. And I think that's really important when it comes to wealth as well. There's no way you can be wealthy if you're just like all over the place. Like you have to be centered in something. And that one thing has to like drive pretty much your entire life. Like I know that my center is creativity. That's something that I believe that is that everybody's center is creativity. It's just a matter of how it shows up in different verticals to get you to where you want to go. But I definitely believe that I'm a wealthy woman. Um, not physically right now. Like I don't have a yacht. I don't have, you know, a multi-million dollar home, but I know that based on my mindset and what it is that I believe in, how I carry myself as a woman, I know that I'm going to get there. And with that, I am a wealthy woman. So, yeah. I love that. Oh, that was good. Thank okay. you. Of, of course it was good. It was you. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I expected. So <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for being on the show. This was so good. So good. Was so how good. can people find you? These. I loved just even just what really made me say yes to you all. Because um, people ask me to be on podcasts like all the time. Instagram lives, yeah. all of that stuff. And what really stood out to me about you all, like I could tell that you were somebody that like did research and paid attention. Even if you just did research 10 minutes before you sent the email, I didn't care. It felt like, you know, you and, and, and we got on here, you said that you have been following me for a while. But that makes sense because it felt like that from the email. And mm -hmm. I think so many people, again, that are just trying to go after the capitalistic route, like who's the most popular? Who is going to get my podcast? You know what I mean? Like I could tell that your intent was really genuine because you really resonated with what it was that I promoted, which is, that's what I care about. I like talking to people who care about what I care about. And I really felt like you genuinely cared about what it was that I was promoting. And I was like, oh, like, this is easy because the energy is always going to be different then. So thank you oh, for yeah. being genuine and for um, being authentic with your creativity as well. Like your podcast, this is the art that you're creating. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah, I, I'm very intentional about everybody that we have on the show, and I'm very picky. Everybody that my podcast coordinator brings to me, I do not accept. I'm like, mm, no, we shouldn't pitch them. But yeah. with you, I told her. I was like, I want her on the show, so please get her on the show. Thank you. Shout out to your coordinator. Yes. She was on it, like, <laughs> with everything. So, yeah, no, like, yes. this is amazing. Um, I'm definitely going to be more tapped in to – your brand, I'm going to do a lot more research too, um, but hopefully, oh, you know, you. like we can extend this relationship. I really enjoy talking to you and I'm going to send you, a, I'm going to show you a sneak peek of yes. what I'm launching in a few months um, after we get off this call. I'm going to send it to you in an email, but um, yes, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wait, really quick. How can people find you if they want to like stay connected and, you know, DonyaTaylor.com. Everything is on DonyaTaylor.com. I have all my Instagram handles. I said all my Instagram handles. It's only one. 
my social media handles. Um, and I'm on social media at Donye Taylor. Everything is Donye Taylor. Everything is my name. The brand is strong. I am the brand. So just type Donye Taylor anywhere and I'm going to be there. I can't wait to hear from you guys. I hope you really like this episode. Um, and yeah, I hope you all stay in touch. I'm saying like we all like it's a audience, but that's what I feel like this is. Even though it's just me and you, I feel like the wealthy women podcast listeners are now are part of the Yeezy Mafia yes. and vice versa. Period. So, period. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're gang gang. Gang gang. Yes. <laughs>